General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We're here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations, preaching the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, president of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. This episode of the podcast is one that I've wanted to hear since we started doing together last year. We have a conversation today about preaching. Preaching is my first love in ministry, and I think that it is probably the first love for many other pastors and leaders. And in this episode, we get to feature some of my favorite General Baptist preachers. Mark McDowell is, alongside our own Mark Powell, the pastor of Pleasant View General Baptist Church in Risco, Missouri. Mark is a longtime friend, and his father, William McDowell, is also a great General Baptist pastor that is close to my heart. I met Mark before Tara and I were married when he was in junior high, and I praise God for the way that he has, uh, God has worked in Mark's life to bring him to a place in ministry and doing what he's doing today. Mark is a faithful, bivocational pastor, and he will be bringing a particular insight into the conversation today as a bivocational pastor. Chris Vaught is the lead pastor of Connection Point Church in Jackson, Missouri. Chris was our 2022 moderator of the Mission and Ministry Summit, and he has been a vital leader among General Baptists for many years. Chris is a dynamic preacher who also leverages his gifts to help develop other preachers and leaders. And finally, Vince Daniel is our uh, leader for this conversation today. Vince is the Vice President for National Missions here for General Baptists, but Vince is also a very gifted communicator and lead pastor of Real Life Church in Mountain Home, Arkansas. Let's listen as Vince, Chris, and Mark discuss preaching and preparations for preaching. Hey, everybody. Uh, Vince Daniel here, Vice President of National Missions with General Baptist, and we're so excited to be here with you today. I've got some special guests with me on this podcast, and uh, today on this podcast, we're going to be diving into the topic of preaching. And so with me today, I have uh, Chris Vaught from Connection Point Church, or should I say Dr. Chris Vaught from Connection Point Church, Oh no, Jackson, man, I just Missouri. go by Chris. Just, just go, go by, by Chris. Chris. Happy right. to be here. Happy to be here. And then Pastor Mark McDowell from Pleasant View Church in Risco, Missouri. Hey, hey. Um, yep. Good to be here, man. It's a privilege. Good. We're so excited to talk about this. And, and like I said, we're talking about preaching today. And uh, I think for me, preaching is probably next to loving my wife and hanging out with my kids. Preaching is my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not, not just, I understand that it's my call, but uh, I probably enjoy it too much. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things that I think that, my congregation on Sundays when they look at their watch think I enjoy it too much. Yeah, I would agree with that <laughs> statement too. Yeah. I think that's probably yeah, the you, truth. Yeah, yours too. Yeah, yours too. Yeah. 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 We one of my first pastorates, they there was a deacon in our church that actually put up a board in the foyer that had pegs on it. So when you came in, you hung your watch on that board. Oh, wow. And so uh, we haven't instituted that yet at real life because I'm not sure I could handle the mutiny that would take place. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a great topic, this idea of preaching. And I think within our movement, because we have so 
Man, we're just so varied and so diverse in our movement in regards yeah. to church sizes or styles or uh, whether you've got a full-time pastor or a bivocational pastor or or people filling in or evangelist or, I mean, just so many things. And then even within that, you have your pastors that are preaching, you have associate pastors that are preaching, youth pastors that'll get the, you know, the token one Sunday night a month or, you know, the weekend the pastor wants off and then they give that to that, yeah. that role. But it's such a varied <coughs> topic that I thought, man, this is going to be a great idea. I know Danny, uh, our president, Danny Donovan, has talked about, man, really wanting to pour into the, the call of ministry. But but what is it what after we're called? When we feel mm. called to pastor or to preach, you know, what are some things we could talk about as we dive into this? So, uh, Chris, give me a little backstory for you. How, how long have you been preaching? Not pastoring. How long have you been preaching? Yeah, so uh, my senior year in high school. Senior year in high school, I started feeling the call and uh, wrestled with it for quite a quite a spell there until close to the end of my senior year and I finally just gave in this one passage I couldn't get over this one passage and uh, it's Mark chapter 4 and the parable of the sower and the seed mm -hmm. and I wrestled with that for weeks I, I remember one night at 10 o'clock at night I just couldn't take it anymore so I, I really didn't have um, a quote-unquote pastor at the time our family was kind of in between churches but we were attending various places right one of the pastors, though, that I, I had some respect for, I called him up at 10 o'clock at night, and I said, I, I need to talk to somebody. Can I come over? And he was a Bible guy, right? So he had to go to work the next morning, but he was so gracious. He said, yeah, come on over. And I remember telling him, I said, you know, for two weeks, I can't get past this passage. Is this, is this how God gives you a sermon? He goes, well, it's not how he gives me my sermons, but it could be how he's giving you yours. <laughs> right. And the long story short, so um, right after that, man, just... Um, that was actually the first sermon I preached was the sower and the seed. Really? Yeah. So yeah. All, all the way back to Mark chapter 4, and and that's mm. what sticks in your mind. Yeah, still that. to this day, man, I can't get past it. Yeah, that's awesome. Mark, what about you? How long? Uh, when, when was it that you, I mean, whether it was a, a aha moment or a, just a process, what about you when you felt like God was calling you to preach? Yeah, well, um, I don't know if you can count whenever I was uh, still living at home locking myself in my bedroom, standing in front of my mirror and, uh, and acting like I'm preaching. You know, I, raised up, I was raised up in a, as a PK, you know, uh, but I didn't have any desire. You know, I was the typical story of like, man, I'll never be a preacher. Sure. Never be a preacher. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, life, life went on and, and uh, you know, me and my wife hit uh, hit a hard spell, which is part of my testimony too. Um, and so it was then that I, you know, just fully surrendered to to Jesus, man, just fully surrendered. And it was it was in that moment that it actually came alive for mm -hmm. me. Good. And um, you know, when I and I get choked up um, every time I talk about my story, but. Um, Every time I opened the Word of God, um, that it just came came to life. Yeah. It came out in 3D to me, and it was just the type of thing that any interaction from then on that I had, um, it was it was something was different. Something I didn't know what it was. Something was different, and then um, and then God called me and my wife to be youth pastors. Um, 
and then uh, and then someone seen something in me that I didn't and gave me an opportunity. Mark Powell uh, gave me an opportunity. Uh, scared to death, and this was this was probably uh, eight or nine years ago when I first preached my first message. Yeah, and and uh, and from then from then on, um, you know, I just uh, I just remember that passion, that first passion, man, of the when the Holy Spirit started stirring my heart, man, and that. Every time I get up to preach, man, I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember the why, you know. So yeah, my dad, good. my dad always tells me, and I'm I'm second generation pastor too. My dad used to always tell me, "Don't ever get over getting saved." But then yeah. once I got called to ministry, he came back and he said, "You'll never get over that moment when you knew that Jesus said." I got something specific for you. And uh, I was in a revival service on a Tuesday night. Same thing, fighting off God. Like, I'll do anything in the world but preach. You know, if you want me to do youth, I'll do youth. If you want me to do children, I'll do children. I'll lead singing. I'll whatever, God. Um, I'll go to Africa, whatever you want me to do. But I don't want to preach because I've watched this. And um, and so it was in a revival service on a Tuesday night, and one of one of the most influential people in my life or my story was a an evangelist named Junior Sutterfield, and he was just this old school stomp and holler, you know, <laughs> hanky waving, Bible thumping kind of preacher, and man, yeah. he was bringing it on a Tuesday night, and he went on a Jericho march like an old school. He left the platform, started on the outside of the yeah. seats. And uh, he came up the center aisle and stopped right at my row and put his hand on my shoulder, stopped his sermon completely and looked me in the face and said, son, why aren't you preaching? Oh, wow. And then stepped right back into his sermon again. (laughs) And I didn't hear another word he said. I crumpled it. I just sat in the floor of that church building (laughs) and wept and cried. and, And I said, I stood at the end of it like we're supposed to. I, I said, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this, but, but God's called me to preach. And if God wants me to preach, I'll give my life to preaching. Well, there was another preacher in the church that night, and I didn't know he was visiting. He called me the next night and was like, hey, we're without a pastor. Would you come preach for us Sunday? Oh, my goodness. And so <laughs> literally got thrown right into the fire of, I hope you know how to do this. And, and yeah. I didn't um, at all. It was pretty rough <laughs> those first couple of years. But so I, I love this, the stories because I think that's the beauty of it, that God calls us in different ways. And, and what we're going to be talking about is sermon preparation and, and kind of what, what tools you use, how, what kind of time you invest or you're able to invest, what does that look like. But then also some, there's some really great questions on, you know, we just talked about a little bit before, sermon accountability. What does that look like for us as those that proclaim the gospel? Do we have people speaking into us? And so I want to dive into this question first and just ask because I know we've got, like I said, quite a few people listening that are pastors or leaders in the church and this gets talked about a lot, but but how much time do you guys spend on sermon prep? Like if if it's a Sunday morning and and it's time to go, what what does that look like for you guys? And 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 Mark, we'll start with you. We'll jump over here to you yeah. first. Um, you you're in a, you're in a bivocational situation, so mm-hmm. you you pastor there at Pleasant View, and you've got the church that you are you are leading or helping lead with Pastor Mark Powell and. Um, and then you've got this career that you do, and then you've got a family just like the rest of us. And so what does that look like for you week in, week out in, in preparation? Yeah. Um, I love, 
uh, I love what I heard someone say uh, is that, uh, you know, when, when the final prayer is prayed on a, uh, on, on a Sunday evening, if you, if you give a Sunday evening uh, message, when the final prayer is prayed on a Sunday evening, um, you start with a blank page, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and that can be exciting. That's exciting. And then that can be intimidating and exhausting as well. And so <clears throat> what it, really what it looks like for me is, is it, it, it's chaotic, right? Sure. It's chaotic, and, uh, but it's the most consistent uh, walk that I can have uh, with the Lord in, in Scripture. Um, I've got to do my due diligence in prayer because um, I can remember when I first started uh, how much I relied on, on the Lord mm-hmm. and His voice to guide me. And so I can't forget that. Right. I, can't, I can't step out of that season of, of dependency. Um, it doesn't matter how many years or months that I preach or how good I think I am or how much I beat myself up because I... You know, I, I may go over time or I may, you know, have missed the point. You know, I've got to be as consistent as I can in, in Scripture. So I, what I do is um, I usually try to carve out uh, at least uh, an hour or two. And I know this, you know, I know it's all over the board for everyone else, but it's an hour or two probably every day to just uh to just dig in God's word and not only that but in to to invest kind of in myself mm-hmm. um I, I work out every day a lot of people you know are used to that now uh, and actually a lot of a lot of the congregation a lot of people just know you know my workout routine and uh I've never really uh you know, been, got mean with it really, and, and said, you know, that you can't call me at this time or whatever. But the, but they know mm-hmm. that that that's the time that I need about thirty to forty five minutes every day. Um, that I put my worship music on, and really, it's in that time that man, I can get connected with God, and God gets connected with me. And there's a lot of things that happens in my heart and in my mind during that 45 minutes. And then what I do uh, after that is I spend time in God's Word and in prayer. And so I make that a part of my every day. Um, And it's it's what I need. It's what I need. So Good. Chris, what about from your perspective? What's that look like for you? Yeah, you know, um, of course, starting out at 18, I pastored Bible Mm -hmm. for seven years and then, you know, going to Bible college and then various church sizes throughout the years, right? So it's changed at every season, and mm-hmm. I think there's some value, Mark, to what you were talking about. I, I, I think a lot of, especially for bivoke times, and I remember that's for me, because I remember, you know, I'd be like driving a Frito-Lay truck was a, one of the jobs, one of the many jobs I used to do, you know, and I'd be scratching my Sunday night sermon notes down on a 
on a piece of paper while I'm driving the Frito truck, yeah. right? Because yeah. yeah. Had my hour commute back from my last stop. So well, that's ironic because most of my notes come with my hand in a Frito bag. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think, I, yeah. you know, it's you know crazy I mean. how so, this works. <laughs> there's some ties there. But, <laughs> so. but having daily devotional time with God for any pastor and, and keeping a journal, and that was something that ended up becoming a big help for me, right? Having that daily journal of writing out my whatever I was reading, studying in my my private time with God, my quiet time, yeah. and how many times that would then spark the direction for the sermon for that week mm-hmm. or an upcoming sermon, right? Uh, just letting God speak to me. Um, then, of course, you know, I went off. You go off seminary, and you got to be told, "Oh, you got to put in 20, 25 hours a week." So then I tried that for a while, and that was really a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the other responsibilities of family and church and so on. So at the stage I'm at right now, I feel like I'm in a really good rhythm. Uh, eight, probably eight hours a week yeah. for a sermon is what I, if, if you take all my time together, of course I have different pieces to that now with sure. allowing other voices to speak into uh, my life through our staff, my Bible reading time, my study time, and and just how I approach sermon series now that I've learned throughout the years. But I, w- I would say if you put all that together, I'm probably around that eight hours a sermon. Okay. How did uh, you just mention sermon series? And, and do both of you, do you both use sermon series or do you function from a, a week-to-week standalone process or, or do those seasons look different in your church? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Either one of you can jump yeah. in on that. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm gravitating more towards uh, knowing the the worth of a sermon series. Number one, um, it's just who I am that I am long-winded. I'm a long-winded preacher. (laughs) Okay. And (laughs) the first step is realizing there's a problem, Mark. There's a problem. Vision is good for the soul, bro. (laughs) There's a real problem, you know. This is the first time that I've actually admitted that, maybe. And so This is a healing place, my friend. It does feel good. Your congregation will be very thankful for the confession of this. Yeah, they'll they'll come back. I'll go back, and they'll be expecting uh, somebody who's short-winded, and that ain't going to happen. No, no, no. (laughs) But um, so I, I am learning as I go that... You know, just some of the the basic and, and simple fundamentals of of not just being not just shooting to be short winded, uh, or not taking pride in you're the longest winded preacher in the room. I've heard that go that way, and and but to realize that actually that 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 in Scripture uh, is so deep, mm-hmm. and 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 actually I really think that just in the society that we're in and the culture that, that, that we're in, I believe that, that uh, um, just like we were talking the other uh, while ago, uh, I, I really believe that people are looking for depth. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that a sermon series, you know, is a perfect opportunity, perfect way to not just topically preach over uh, just a feel-good message but to dive deep into actual people's needs and people's seasons and uh, and just kind of uh, dig in it that way. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually in a sermon series, which uh, right now is uh, think, think About It, called Think About It, and it's yeah. over Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you know, uh, whatever's true, whatever's noble. And so um, I like that. 
because I'm I'm preaching over a word a week. Um, so there's that, but then it's also challenging to make sure and tie in Christ back behind each word, you know, and make sure that that we uh, that we that we do our diligence, you know, right. in Scripture. Yeah, that's so. so good. When I first started out in in preaching, I didn't know anything about sermon series. So you were a week to week guy, yeah. right? And being bivo, having a young family, I remember the stress that I was constantly under, right? Yeah. And then when I did preach, I felt like, okay, I knew this came from God, but I always felt this conviction afterwards that I really didn't have the time. You could blame work or family or whatever, but by jumping topics every week, I never had the time to truly dive into that topic well enough that I felt like I was truly feeding the people the spiritual nourishment that they really needed, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so as, as I began to develop, I gravitated towards sermon series, and that has been a lifeblood for me. Um, one, because now I can dive into that book of the Bible. If I'm preaching through, you said Philippians is yeah. what you're in right now. Yep. So if I'm preaching through the book of Philippians and I'm going through the book, I can find that theme. There's a theme. There's always a theme there that God has put in his word, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to build off of that theme week after week after week for four weeks or six weeks. But at the same time, not only is it helping me know how to dive deeper and to study and make it more practical, the conviction for me came for the congregation who don't, who the normal person in our congregation doesn't have 20 hours a week to be studying the Scripture either, right? They're not writing sermons, so they're not diving as deep as what we as in the ministry feel convicted to. So how, you know, how we then present the Scriptures is so valuable to them because in a short amount of time that they give us to preach, we've got to communicate God's timeless truth in a way that they can apply it and it actually means something in their lives. So yeah. going into the series then, I felt like was more fruitful for the believer. Yeah. And it also took stress off of me. I could plan where I was going. And then, then Andy Stanley, and, I, and I'm not saying I agree with everything Andy Stanley says or does, but he made a comment one time that really gripped my heart. He said, I hear most of you guys as sermons and your three or four point sermons, you hit so many varying topics on a light note. He says, I can take your one sermon and make a four week series out of it. And each one of your points for me is one main point that I could preach for 25 minutes and really help my congregation dive into. That convicted me. Yeah. Because I was yeah. guilty, man. I'm like, I'm into the word. I'm studying. I'm like, whoa, man, here's a truth. Oh, here, here's a supporting truth. Here's a supporting truth. Man, and I get I get so fired up. I get in a pool pit. I just want to lay it all out. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is they can't consume that much varying topics, right? Yeah. And then they then I'm going to switch on them again next week. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm still trying to digest last Sunday. Yeah. Series helps me to slow that, that process down and make sure we communicate clearly. So, yeah. yeah, that's where we're at at this point. I think I think that's the similar similar for me. Different seasons of of time and in ministry, um, I remember uh, talking has never been an issue for me. And people <laughs> go, "Well, it's obvious God called you to preach because you don't mind to talk." Right. But but early on, I depended so much on my talent to talk mm-hmm. that it got me through mm. some Sundays. Got you. And so. I I was super weak at prep time in the early season, uh, and I'm I'm one of those people that I I've never 
only when we planted our church, when we planted Real Life Church in the beginning, that was the only season in 23 years of ministry that I've ever been bivocational. I mean, I stepped out of that revival service, right. preached the following Sunday, and five weeks later, I was a full-time pastor of a church. Oh, my goodness. And so um, I grew up in church, watched my dad prep, and I'd see him toiling over sermons. But for me, I'd been around it so much, I almost took for granted mm-hmm. the the gifting and the talent. And I don't say that in arrogance because it ended up being the thing that bit me. Right. Um, I, there were days I got up Saturday, Sunday morning. I just woke up Sunday morning, and I'd set my alarm for 5 o'clock in the morning, and I could rip a sermon out there pretty quick and stand up and communicate it well enough that people enjoyed it. They may not have got anything spiritual right. out of it, right. but they enjoyed it. Sure. And so, um, and it was it was just that kind of rhythm that I got into early on until a guy asked me, and, and you said you were long-winded. When I started, I'm... I mean, I'm pushing an hour and twenty. <laughs> not, not, not the church service. My sermon oh, wow. was pushing an hour and twenty. <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, a great friend of mine just spoke into me, and he asked me a simple question, and he said, "How long are you good?" Yeah. Not how long can you talk? Right. Not, not how how long are you good? Where people are engaged and they're listening, and for me, that was the statement that changed everything because I could talk forever. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to pour some time into making sure that for, for me, thirty to forty minutes, and I cease to be good. After yeah. that, I get long. That's that's right, right. that's the descriptor that comes in. It's not boy, that was a good sermon. It was boy, that was a long sermon. Right. And so, I had to learn, and I had to put time into going. Oh, if I'm gonna say something good, then I've got to prep for it. And then, so that was the initial phase. And then when I heard about, I, I'm country preacher, man. I, I, my dad was that way. I didn't know sermon series existed. But right. when somebody told me, what I then did was I went back to all my one-off sermons and was like, oh, wow, I see it now that yeah. this could have been a sermon and this could have been a sermon and all the things I was trying to overload on people. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this to anybody that's listening out there. Um, I know for real life church, and I, I won't speak for Connection Point or for for Mark, you guys, but man, any resource that we have at Real Life or through General Baptist Ministries, if you want maybe some, if, if you want to just see a series and go, how does that even work? Man, I'd be honored to send you anything that we've done. Oh, uh, I know, Chris, yeah. you're saying you'd absolutely yeah. do that, yeah. or, or you guys absolutely. just, you know, to to let you just walk through it. No, I, you know, I, I just want you to see how this may benefit you and and being able to prep out for a little bit of time mm-hmm. to go, you know, man, this is I can dig much deeper into this with my people. I feel like now, now I'm not just using my sermon as an evangelistic tool, but also as a discipleship tool because yeah. I've taken this time and I've stretched it. Um, so just know that you can reach out to us, Vince.Daniel at GeneralBaptist.com. You can get me here um, and just reach out to us, and I'll pass that information on to anybody. Uh, real quick to you guys, how long are you good? <laughs> I, that's such a tricky question to ask. You know? That's why I'm asking it. <clears throat> you know, so. I want to say 45 minutes, but honestly, yeah, probably that 30-minute mark. And, and it's, it's, it's strange that I've done this long enough now. I don't even have to look at a clock, and I can tell yep. you mm-hmm. when about 30 minutes has passed. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I can sense it in the room. I can feel it. I can see it. Now, 
do I always stay to 30? I'm not going to get on here and lie. <laughs> but I'm working we on it. We could probably ask your children's department. Yeah, ask the children's department. No, but I'm yeah, working I'm on it, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm in that 30-minute window, too. Um, I, I know, um, and, and we can't take out the work of the Holy Spirit, obviously, sure. but, uh, but I know that when people start saying, man, Mark, that was, that was good. I know that it was 30 minutes or less. You know what I mean? Uh, because they right. could consume it. They right. Could, you know, um, I, I think that it was, uh, and I'm going to butcher this all up, but I think that it was Charles uh, Spurgeon who actually said something about, uh, you know, that as far as preaching a sermon or preparing for a sermon, you know, uh, that he would rather drive one 10-penny nail than push in uh, 20-pin tacks you know, as far as the weight and as far as something that will stick. And so I think that that kind of paints a picture of what we just got done talking about and, and uh, you know, time-wise and everything. I think that it's very, you know, good to, to not get caught up in the 30-minute uh, thing and, and let that be your complete driving force because that has actually uh, burdened and hindered me whenever mm-hmm. I go 35 or 40 I actually let that be the the you know my 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 lose or my whatever after a sermon rather than hey you know let let the word let the word do its job sure. <laughs> you know um, but anyway I, I've not I've not grown yet to uh, matured enough to be able to experience this for myself but I remember John Maxwell saying one time to a guy that preached like 40 minutes every week, but his church wasn't growing, right? And he preached, but he was, he was dead on. I'm going to preach 40 minutes a week. And John said, dude, if you cut that sermon in half and preach 20 minutes, you'll be amazed at how many people's going to walk out of church saying, my, how our preacher has improved. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. but I think it goes back to, I mean, you, you look at the simplicity and the depth. We, yeah. we, see, we yeah. see Jesus in the Gospels. Like very rarely do we, I mean, other than the Sermon on the Mount, we don't get a lot of insight into how long right. or how, what these the sermons were. were. Yeah. But like even Peter's sermon at Pentecost, we can read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a couple paragraphs. That doesn't take real long to get through, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. there, was, there was simplicity and depth yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And so I think that, that helps us as we look into, and, and for those of you out there, I would just begin to ask yourself some of those questions internally. Pastors, preachers, teachers, hey, is and Mark, you nailed it. Is what we're saying able to be consumed? That's, yeah, that, that's yeah, it. That's it. That's I mean, more important us. than the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, people yeah. ask, you know, people ask me about, hey, I'm a teacher, and and my question quickly to them is, well, who has learned something from you? Yeah. Yeah, because if no one's learned anything from you, I'm I don't know that you get to call yourself a teacher. Correct. And as proclaimers of the gospel, are people able to consume the content that we give? Yeah. And and I know for some of us, it's real easy to go, well, that's up to them if they're not as studied as right. we are. If they, but that's just arrogance if we if we put it out there honestly. And really, the responsibility right. is back on us. Exactly, we're supposed to present biblical truths in such a manner that people can receive it and apply it. Yeah, yeah. and that you know. Going back to something you said earlier, because I just think it's so huge for us as preachers, it is so easy to rely on our gift set to speak. Yeah. 
because there's an anointing, there's a gifting there that comes for sure. anybody standing on his, in a pulpit, right? And not pay as much attention to the content and if it's applicable to the congregation. The hard job is for any of us is not to trust in our gift set and to spend more time on the content mm-hmm. and make sure that it is guided by the Holy Spirit yeah. and he's the one that does the work at the end of the day. For Amen. sure. For good. sure. Hey, real quick, just continuing on some of that, we talked about series, and maybe this is a little different, and and maybe it's an extension of that question, Um, but uh, sermon calendars, I know this is something that people are talking a lot about, a lot more about. They've been around for quite a while. Um, Most most liturgical churches or um, churches that, that have been around for a long time have always worked. We know there's a Christian calendar. We talk about Lent and Advent and those kind of things. Um, but the sermon calendar idea has even kind of went beyond that and said, okay, what is what does my year look like? What are some high points in the year? What are some points where we can dig into discipleship? Or uh, do you either do, do do either of you or both of you do you function off a sermon calendar? And if so, I'm not asking for a full year, but how far are you out? And in, in in regards to you may not know the you may not know each point of the sermon. Mm-hmm but I know the direction our church is going. Just dive into that for a little bit. Yeah. I, I, it's easy for me because, no, I don't use a sermon calendar. Okay. Um, but I, I do want to back that up by saying um, that something that, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit has shown me to, to connect with our community and our congregation is to always be, uh, and sometimes you're going to find yourself having to, uh, you know, having to pre- preach in the moment, and uh, uh, but but never but never uh, never preach anything uh, that that uh, should be correcting in a in a one-on-one conversation. I'm not I'm not talking about this, but but a standalone, you know. Uh, message is 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 great, but but what I the practice that I have uh, have been doing is just uh, you know praying praying ahead um, and, and being forward forward thinking forward uh, you know what what's coming down the pipeline what what's some issues that our congregation is going through. Um, and then chewing on that, praying about that, um, and then uh, setting up, setting up what it looks like, you know, two to three months in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's super, super important. It all ties back into the depth of our messages. You know, right. it's it's more of a walking with, you know, our congregation and our community, rather than just really just a circus show, you know, honestly, uh, or just uh, just uh, uh, something, uh, an event. Um, so, yeah, forward, forward thinking, forward praying. Um, I'm, you know, which this is, this is big. I'm up to Easter. I'm up to Easter now. And then, but, but really after <clears throat> Easter, um, actually God's working on me right now, you know, and and we're 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 working that out. And uh, the biggest the biggest word, uh, just the people that I'm that I'm walking with and dealing with, the biggest word that I'm getting is man, hope. 
hope and hopelessness, you know, and just that, just that uh, people, people needs to see that there's hope in, in the, in, in Jesus and hope in, in digging in the word of God and that deeper, that deeper dive. Yeah. And so, yeah, but forward, forward thinking, yes, I don't use a calendar, but, uh, but to be forward thinking, forward praying, um, I, I, I definitely do that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Chris, what about you guys? You don't, you don't have a sermon calendar yet, but you're already looking at Easter and beyond. So you got the framework, you're building one, just don't know it. Yeah. 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 There you For go. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, I, we do. We, um, we absolutely, I'm, I'm very, in my, for me to have any sense of peace at all, uh, I have to have the sermon calendar to give me direction to, at this point in my life in ministry, right? I didn't always have that, of course. This is something that has developed over time. Uh, we are a year out at this point. Okay. Uh, and I will, you know, I think after being at the church for a while, I was able to start making a routine of pulling away sometime in the middle of the year just to get alone with God, go off by myself for a week or so, and just... Just pray and seek God for what's he wanting to say to this congregation. And, and I take a lot of factors into play when mm-hmm. doing this, right? So I look at the trends of the church and where, where are we seeing the, the, the growth in the year? When are we seeing new people? What, what are some deep topics that we can see in our culture that are affecting our congregation? Because it's, let's just be honest, you've got to know your people where you're at in your culture yeah. to speak the Word of God to it. I mean, I can't get my sermon series from somebody who's preaching in, you know, downtown New York, and here I'm in southeast Missouri. The, the context isn't the same. Right. Yeah. i got to know what, where God has planned in me, what the people are needing. At the same time, I'm very convicted that as pastors we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. That means I don't get just to preach on the things that I feel burdened about. Yeah. So I will also try to balance my preaching through the year out of some Old Testament books, some New Testament books. I'll preach through books of the Bible as well as topical on certain issues. I'm looking for series to, when's the best time for me to encourage our people to be evangelists and missionaries and go live on service and and share the gospel, right? When's the best times for them to bring people in? But then I'm going to follow that with deeper dives and try to help disciple them, how to help them take spiritual their spiritual walk with Christ at a deeper level. So just kind of looking at the ebbs and flows of life, the culture, reading and studying through books of the Bible, and from that, just getting the calendar out. This is just my practice. Getting the calendar out, laying out all the holidays and the spring vacations and all that stuff that I know is going to affect and try to build around that, okay, God, here's a great time to do a discipleship dive. Here's a great time to spur our people to think about serving and evangelism. What are the Christian habits that I want to develop? Uh-huh. And where can I preach through a book of the Bible? And, and now when I say that, um, to me, it gives us, me and my staff, it gives us a plan. It gives us things to start working toward praying about, having sermon content conversations, getting people in the room and asking biblical questions, studying the Bible together so that we're well prepared. At the same time, I don't want to sound like we're planning out the Holy Spirit. Number one, yeah. in my time away, that's all I'm doing is seeking <laughs> right. God, reading the Bible, and trying to hear from the Holy Spirit, right? And then as the year goes on, if God wants to change it, 
our staff knows one of our values is, is you have to stay fluid. I can, we can change it on the fly. Just like I recently did that, right? I mean, I, I killed one whole series and added a totally different series because I felt like in this moment, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, I don't need you to talk about this. I need you to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, but, but you know, that's, that's where we're at at this point. What you yeah. Think? For us, we, we do try to build out a sermon calendar. I would say that I'm, I'm really good at about six months as far as planned out. And then within that, I try to make sure that with every series, I leave a standalone week. Mm -hmm. And not that I will necessarily use it there, but if the Lord lays something or our culture or community hits something, if we've had, you know, if we've had a tragic death in our community, or uh, I hate to use this term, but if a hot topic Right. comes up in your mm -hmm. culture and your community and everyone in the world is talking about how does what's the church going to do about XYZ I mean mm -hmm. we have everything from politics to uh, gender identity to um, schools and all this stuff and you go well yeah but those are things the church shouldn't talk about then you haven't read your Bible those are things exactly. the church should talk about right. and so if we as the church continue to come in, three or four months behind the moment, yeah, yeah. then why would they see us That's as, great. as um, contextual for, mm -hmm. our, for our culture? So, so I try to put some standalone weeks in there so that I can shift if I need to shift up and go, hey, I know we're in week two of this series, but today I really feel like I need to land on this. We, we as a body need to walk through this. We'll dive back into our series next week um, and, and get everything going again. But um, I, I really feel led to go here. So That's we, we try to do that to c create some, some space, some cushion. I also find out, and, and again, this is contextual, in our church, we do our life groups. Our, our, our discipleship system is built off of Acts chapter 2, where they met house to house discussing what the disciples had preached. So our, our life groups are sermon follow-up. Right. Yeah. So it's imperative <clears throat> that I'm ahead right. because now <clears throat> uh, it's not just my sermon that's affected, it's the material or the questions or um, the content for what they're going to be discussing in life groups. That's true. That's good. And yeah. so for us, that's why the calendar is really critical. I can remember, again, being week to week for a long time, and, and even now I still find joy in the standalone you know, uh, the term I was using, grip and rip, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. God, here I am. What do you need me to pour out today? Lay it on me. Let's, let's go. And, and so there's still a lot of joy for me in that where I get to kind of sometimes go back to my evangelist roots, you know, or, or man, this is really something I want to teach out. And so I think that that's really, uh, the fact that you have a plan, like, like Chris said, Mark, with you, you know, God, God giving you this forward thought or this forward yeah. prayer. Um, people out there, if you're a pastor and you're a preacher, be real careful, and this is just counsel from me, be real real careful that you, you don't fall into either camp of, mm -hmm. well, if it's not all planned out from now to eternity, then it's not godly, That's or right. if it's not spur of the moment. The Holy yeah, right. Spirit is truly yeah. the Holy Spirit. And he could give John the Revelator a revelation about things that have yet to occur. Yeah, that's right. He can give you a sermon that needs to happen in October. That's right. And so yeah. there's there's we we as we get so wrapped in our preference or our style that it's really easy for us to become kind of judgmental to other guys that are walking through things in different seasons. 
And man, they're still seeing people saved in their ministry, right. mm-hmm. and those are the things we need to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So, like for us, it looks a little different. You know, sure. um, we try to plan a lot of things around our sermon series because I want that to be the high note. That's right. Um, and so, things we bring in kind of, kind of push it up to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, we use the sermon calendar. There are people on my team that would really prefer it be a lot further out, but I, if I get too excited about preaching. So if I plan a sermon in three weeks, it's nearly impossible for me to not be pulling things from that sermon and dropping them in what I'm preaching this week. I, I like I can't wait to preach that. And yeah. so um, we keep them probably a three to four weeks because I don't know if it's my ADD or whatever, but beyond that, it's tough for me. Um, so yeah. uh, real quick, and, and I'm gonna we're gonna I want to end with this question and uh, get you guys out of here. And again, thank you again so much for your time. But this topic just came up, and this is new for those of you who listen. This isn't on our sheet. These guys didn't get this question until just a few minutes ago. But the idea of accountability in your preaching. Yeah. Do you have people that you have allowed or allow to speak into what you've said, like? Monday morning, you got somebody inside your church, outside your church that has the ability, that has your trust enough that can come in and go, hey, I heard your sermon. Have you thought about this? Or when you said that, I don't know that it was clear, and you may want to consider maybe cleaning that up. Do you guys have people like that in your life? Are you talking about somebody other than our wives on the drive home from church? Hey, spot on. (laughs) Spot on. You guys heard that story, right, about the pastor that got in the car with his wife, and he was, man, he he nailed it that morning, just killed it. And he looked over at his wife and he said, Honey, how, how many truly great preachers do you think there are in the world and she said, I believe there's one less than you think there is. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's a great yeah. one. That's raw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell you, my my number one critic is is my wife. Yeah, for sure. Is is my wife, 100%. Um, she she is uh, she is my rock. She is my back. And honestly, um, she helps me. I mean, it, it is a equal partnership in pastoring uh, the church and reaching out into the community, and sh- she does uh, just as much or more than I could ever think about doing. I mean, she's a rock star, and and so we we have we have uh, developed this um, uh, kind of system that you know I want you to tell me. Um, how I did uh, with, you know, and, and be honest with me. And I can take it. I can take it on the chin. You know, did I allow my flesh to rise up more than the Holy Spirit to shine, you know, in my message? Did I, uh, d- did I have a topic that, that was maybe convicting me that I haven't worked out uh, with it, that I haven't worked out with God, and I'm am I just beating a drum up in front of people? Mm. Um, you know, tell me, tell me when I when I go into those areas because I know uh, I know just because it's happened before. I mean, that right there to beat a drum up in front of a con- congregation that you haven't worked out 
with God yet, you know, not saying that we're perfect. I mean, we may be dealing with something at home that we 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 pull up on Sunday morning, we got to do this, you uh-huh. know, we got we got to get it done. We know what but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about is there an issue within the church that that hasn't been resolved face to face that we're trying to address up up on stage, yeah. you know, and is that coming out in more of a flesh type preaching? Um, tell me, you know. So my wife, my wife is number one, and and uh, and she'll she'll tell me, you know. Most of the time, it's how oh, baby you rocked it. You know, you rocked it, baby. Oh, that was so good. I'm like, that was the worst thing ever. You yeah, know, give, give that some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but no, I, I, I have a few people in my life, and I cherish these voices, um, and not just complainers, mm-hmm. um, because there's a difference. There's yeah. a difference in within your church or within your community, someone who's never going to receive uh, receive what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them. And if they can't receive it, they're going to take it as trash. You know, right. you can't preach, you can't do... I try to, uh, try to put those aside and listen to the counsel of just a few... I've got a few people in my life that will, that will speak truth into me Good. that I cherish... I cherish, and and I've only been doing it for you know eight years or so, and uh, but I, I know that that is so important for not only my spiritual growth, but really the the growth of the church, the growth, the unity within the church. So, and Chris, uh, you guys built a system, right? Yeah, we 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 actually did this past year off of some wise counsel, um, the counsel that was given to me. Because, you know, I, I'm, dude, I'm 30, what, 30 years into this now, 30, 31 years into this. And I still have a burden that I want to be the best preacher, communicator of the Word of God that I can be. Yeah. And, and, I, and I tell my staff, I pray that I and I pray they, I pray that we never come to a place where we feel like we've arrived. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I want to still be growing when God calls me home. Uh, we see that in Scripture from an earlier conversation of even, even you know, Paul had to call Peter out and hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to be held accountable to get better yeah. because human nature, flesh, can get involved even as an anointed preacher of the gospel if we're not careful. So this wise counsel I recently received was is to get four or five men that I could trust, that I knew their voice was going to be authentic, with compassion and love, not critical, uh-huh. and um, let them gather with me every week. So we do it now every Tuesday. Every Tuesday I have four to five men who will gather at the office with me, and they have a simple job. Number one, they come in and tell me one thing in the message that I really did well. I mean, where the Holy Spirit just took that point or that illustration and like, drove it home. Like yes. that was a defining moment in the message, but then they have freedom to hand me one critique. Now, my, my ego can't handle half a dozen critiques. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're still human, right? But each one of them can give me one critique each of what I could have done better, how I could have been more clear, how I, and it's constructive criticism, sure, right? Yeah. And I value that. 
I, t- I take that seriously, as serious, more serious than I do the praise, whatever the praise was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I want, listen, I, b- I believe what James wrote in his book. We who teach, we who preach will stand in a higher accountability before God. That's it. We have a responsibility. We've been given the greatest opportunity in the world. We get to influence people with Scripture, with the Word of God. To think that we can't get better at that, mm-hmm. that that's a, a very dangerous slope of pride that I don't want to walk that one. Yeah, I, I discussed this with Danny a few months back, and, and one of the statements I said to him was that the, that the fall of any organization, whether it's a business, whether it's a church, whether it's a team of any kind, but the fall of that organization will be determined by the insecurities of the leader. Mm-hmm. That's good. And if we as leaders, especially as preachers of the Word of God, if we're not willing to stand with our peers, with people who and, and allow them to speak life into us yeah. um, because none of us are nailing this. Right. Yeah. You know, we're all, as we open the word of God, and I think you use the term like, man, I love the Bible, and, and when I open it, it becomes 3D to me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not willing to allow you to speak into my, my communicating that mm-hmm. so that it is consumed by the people in front of me at a higher rate yeah. because that's our goal, mm-hmm. then... Then, then the, I don't want to say the failure, but maybe the struggles in our churches, the the struggles in 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 our congregations and our walks, may be hinging on my inability to allow people to speak into me. So yeah. if you're out there today and you're listening and and maybe you're coming back to this and you're a pastor and you've been beat down and you've been uh, you've like, hey, I let I'm tired of getting wore out over what I preach. <laughs> what Chris said is so critical. Make sure you find the right people. People that love you, people that trust you, um, people that love you are are not going to be glad handing and and back patting all the time. They're going to be right. truthful with you. Right. Yep. They're going to share concern uh, for you. And so, find those people in your life: pastors, preachers, teachers, youth pastors, associate pastors, evangelists, missionaries. If you are out there proclaiming the word of God, uh, we want to close. I want to close today praying for you. Yeah. And uh, Chris, Mark, guys, thank you so much for your time today, coming and sharing That's with General Baptist honor, Ministries awesome. and uh, and being here with us. But uh, I'm going to ask you guys to join me as I pray for our pastors. Absolutely. And so that as we continue, guys, the, this, this truth is still true. We can do more together than we could ever do on our own. And that means encouraging, lifting up, empowering, giving feedback, all those things for preachers help us to be better in Amen. the long run. Yeah. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to speak into our pastors and our preachers, God, those that proclaim the word of God for General Baptist. And Lord, maybe they're listening, they're not General Baptist. They just, they they happened upon this. And Lord, I pray it's been an encouragement to them. I pray they've enjoyed the content, that it's been helpful for them. Lord, I pray that if they need resource, if, if they're just that pastor sitting out there, and, and Lord, this has been me, so many times over 22 years going, I don't even know where to turn for that. I don't even know where to look for help with this. God, help them to reach out to us here at General Baptist Ministries and or, or another pastor that's a little further down the road. God, give us the heart to 
mentor those coming behind us, that Paul to Timothy heart. God, help us to mentor those coming behind us. Help us to honor those that have gone before us. And Lord, help us all to learn from one another as we do our best to proclaim the name of Jesus to a world that needs him. God, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to thank Vince, Chris, and Mark for sharing with us on this episode. I hope you were encouraged and they gave you some ideas about how you can better serve as a preacher for your congregation. And if you aren't a preacher, I hope that you learn some ways that you can pray for the preachers in your life. I agree with the Apostle Paul that beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so we're praying for you, Pastor, as you share in that gospel. It is the hope of the world, so do it boldly. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content. And please leave us a review. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together.